podcast made by, for, and about the Oscars. And now, here's your host, Ethan Alexander. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome back to Fans on the Run, the only show guaranteed to give you a good time. Don't take my word for it. N- no, I just just don't take my word for it. Oh, man. You know, I was actually proud of that when I wrote that this morning. I- I've been trying to come up with more ways to introduce the show, and I thought, eh, that's that's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. It, nothing on this show is terribly funny. <laughs> what was that? I thought I heard music, but that's, that's besides the point. We, we have a great guest for you today. In fact, it's, it's a little bit of a reunion, uh, guest. How would you describe yourself? Well, very, uh, enlightening to the fact that, uh, I have been privileged today and called upon this, uh, this wonderful Saturday, which we're recording to be part of. Fans on the run, 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 run. Ladies and gentlemen, Lonnie Pena. Lonnie, welcome to Fans on the Run. Oh, it is just fantastic to be here. I, you know, I woke up this morning, this morning, Ethan, and it's going to be a great day. It is going to be a great day. <laughs> you know, they're you know, talk about music. You hear, you heard music. There's always, literally, music in my head, twenty four seven. What music has been in your head lately? Here lately, I've been actually recording uh, uh, original music with my songwriting partner, Leon, um, who's, who lives in Beaumont, Texas. And so um, the last time I was in Houston, which like a month ago or so, I got together with my buddy Leon and we recorded a couple of tunes. And so I brought him back with me. I, I live in Oakland, uh, California now. So... I've been recording all morning, Ethan. So my original music has been in my head for, well, for the last 24 hours. Besides your own music, what other music have you been listening to as of late? You know, I started, uh, I was listening this morning, believe it or not, to Selena. Because I started, I started watching that Netflix TV series on her life. (laughs) You know, she's a Texan as well as I'm a Texan. And so I, I thought it was fairly interesting. So I was, I just, you know, Spotify, you know, you can search Spotify and find ev- pretty much everything under the sun. <laughs> so I, uh, it's the I beauty searched of the it. internet. I know. And it's just incredible. So I was listening to some Lena, Selena this morning, bitty, bitty, bum, bum, bitty, bum, bum. Um, but other than that, it just, uh, I listen to all sorts of stuff, Ethan. All sorts of stuff, especially them at four. Oh yes, those those Beatle people. I think I've heard of them. John, Paul, Ringo, and George. That's official, man. I feel so official. Where's my badge? I need a badge. Uh, you know the thing is, I've been working on some like pins and badges to yeah. you know make for fans on the run. I, I have the designs all done and everything. Oh, sweet. Yeah, and, sounds cool. It, it's just a matter of time before I make them, like, officially. And all you need to do is charge just one crypto dollar or yes. one crypto coin, you know, and, and then you never know what that would end up being, you know, in the long run, cost-wise. Fans on the run, buttons now, one Bitcoin. One Bitcoin worth sixty thousand dollars. No, I think it went down yesterday. It's now fifty-five thousand dollars a coin. Even better, fifty-five thousand dollars will get you the shiniest badge I can make. How much do you think I could buy with one dollar? Like point zero zero zero. I I don't think you'd be able to buy a full Bitcoin. I I don't really know the. I haven't really kept up on my cryptocurrency. Neither have I, but I have people that are watching for me. It's, yes, it's good I, to have people watch for you. Since I'm a fan on the run and I'm constantly on the move. I'm a fan on the run, too. Is that right? Well, I, let's get that merchandise flowing, Ethan. Come on, you can do it. 
Lonnie, I need you on here more often. You're getting me all pumped up. I'm ready for the button. I need my badge. My fans on the run badge. The thing is, Lonnie, when when I make these badges, you will be the first one to receive them. Oh, because thank of your, you. Your undying support. I am so enthusiastic about it. Now, but, but yeah, yeah. What's going on, man? What's happening in Toronto? Yeah, you're not in Toronto. You said you're in Waterloo, right? I am in Waterloo, just just a little outside of Toronto. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm just I'm in Oakland. California, just uh, East Bay of San Francisco. Nice. How's the weather these days? Well, from what they tell me, and as I look out the window, they're all shouting out at me. It's blue skies, it's sunny, and it's 75 degrees. And that's pretty much summer as well. It's like that one ELO song. Is that, which one is that? Blue skies above? I don't know. Mr. Mr. Blue Sky, right? Yeah. Oh, like uh, uh, I was thinking telephone line, but Mr. Blue Sky oh. works better. Yeah, it's, you know what, I've, I've talked to the natives here and um, the, the people that have lived here all their life, and that that's pretty much it. That's the weather here. This is the season. These are, this is all four seasons. That's pretty good. Blue skies, it, it, the low may be, the lowest in the winter may be 48 degrees. And that's, you know, Fahrenheit. Yeah. I don't know the conversion in Celsius, but um, and the high may be like, you know, 75 degrees Fahrenheit. It's very, very nice. Very nice. Four, 45 degrees would be like, uh, I don't know, maybe 15 degrees Celsius. That's, you know, it's a little chilly, but not terribly chilly. It's not freezing. No. 32 degrees Fahrenheit is freeze is freezing. Yeah. It's like you, you you can wear a sweater. So yeah, it's beautiful here today. Well, should we should we get this wagon train a moving, Lonnie? Let's do it. Yikmo Rawhide. Said Lonnie. Yes, sir. How did you first discover the Beatles? Well, I was in a cave one day and as I lit my cigarette when I was five years old, because in nineteen sixty four you could just do that. I discovered a poster and remnants of an old land that once was beneath Houston, Texas. And to be honest with you, I don't remember. <laughs> you know, the, the, it was February. What was the date at Sullivan? February the 7th? I think it was February 7th or February 9th. I think it was Yeah, the so anyway, 1964, I was, I was still six years old. Mm-hmm. I was yet you, you to weren't turn, in a cave though. I was I was actually not in the I was in the cave of my own home. Yes, you you, <laughs> you heard it here first. In the cave of my own home. I used to make little blankets and play like there were caves. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't remember the. Well, um, there's there's a Bonzo Dog Doodah Band <laughs> song called uh, "In the Canyons of Your Mind." Oh, I like that. I'm gonna have to look that up on that streaming service that we talked about earlier. That anyhow, sounds like a good idea. Anyhow, yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's I don't remember the Beatles on the first appearance on Ed Sullivan. I was six years old. Um, I had yet turned seven. I would turn seven later that year. Uh, but in 1965, they played Ed Sullivan in, in uh, uh, September of 1965. And I remember that performance vividly. What do you Literally. remember about it? I remember sitting in front of our little black and white TV, the console TV that was like as huge as a living room, half the living room. Mm-hmm. And I was eating uh, my favorite, uh, you know, snowflakes, you know, Tony the Tiger, mm-hmm. uh, crispy snowflake, cornflakes, whatever you call frosted them. Frosted flakes? Frosted flakes, yes. Uh, and this was before they were even frosted. <clears throat> That's how old so I So they were just flakes. They were just flakes. I was sitting cross-legged in front of our black and white tube TV. And uh, this was uh, at night, September 1965. And the Beatles appeared. And it was, I remember that vividly. I remember Ringo, they they zoomed in on Ringo. And, you know, it was, it was just great. It was great. Um, that was my first exposure that I remember about the Beatles. Were you, um, were you hooked right away? 
you know, I, I was I was seven. Actually, it said that that September they appeared out. Yeah, I was seven. And uh, and to be honest with you, I, I really wasn't into music. I really wasn't in the I was more into, you know, playing, you know, outside with my friends. You know, we play we play army <laughs> with sticks <laughs> or, you know, I don't know if this is politically correct nowadays, but we play cowboy and Indians, you know, yeah. that kind of deal. Um, now they put you in jail if you played that. But anyway, uh, yeah, we just uh, I wasn't in the music. All, all, and, and my older siblings who are much older than me, Ethan, like eight years, 10 years and 12 years older than me. They were not into the Beatles, believe it or not. What were they, they were into? In, well, my older siblings, my two older brothers are jazz musicians. OK. So they were they were prof- they were professional jazz musicians, and so they were into jazz. You know, Freddie Hubbard, Miles Davis. They frowned on rock and roll because that was below them, that was beneath them. Mm-hmm. And uh, my sister, who wasn't a musician, who's ten years older than me, or actually nine years older than me, she was into Motown. Although she did have one record, she bought a VJ record in 1963. Do you want to know a secret? Okay. About the Beatles, she bought that 45. So there, there was one Beatle record in your house. There was one Beatle record in my house, but the rest of the of the albums were jazz, and I wasn't into that. I was just into playing outside with my friends. I wasn't into music. So that's, I mean. I listened to the Beatles on the radio. I liked the Beatles, but I wasn't in. I wasn't in. I wasn't buying the records until much later. When when did you first buy a Beatles record? Well, you know, you you have to have a uh, the equipment, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you have to have the what the turntable and whatever the speakers and the amplifier. So, when I was thirteen years old, and that we're moving into the seventies now. Mm-hmm. So this was the Christmas of 1971. I was 13, and that was on my Christmas list, a record player. So I, you know, Christmas comes around, and you know, lo and behold, as I, I woke up, <laughs> went to the living room, and there was a record player in there for me. <gasps> oh, just amazing, magic. <laughs> It was one of those combos, you know, it was a turntable with an AM FM mm-hmm. all in one. And then it had two little speakers and it came with a stand. It was a Philco, P-H-I-L-C-O, Philco brand. And that Philco. was actually made by Ford, the, the automotive company. Ford made turntables? Ford made little ter- combo sets. Yeah, that's Philco. You can look it up. P-H-I-L-C-O, Philco. What was it? Well built. It was. It was adequate, you know, for a thirteen-year-old. It, it lasted me a few years, but uh, along with that turntable, uh, I also put on uh, my list of records I wanted. And on that list of records, Ethan, there was not one Beatles album on that list. But what was on the list? <laughs> well, it was uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. It was okay. a double album from the opera. The movie had yet to be released. It was from the opera. This nineteen sixty-nine. Yo, it's awesome. That was on my list. I got that album, uh, Santana, oh. which was their outreach hand album cover. I think that ended up being like Santana three. That was on my list, and Harry Nilsson, son of Smilson. Really? Little did I know that there were some Beatles on that album that played. Like Ringo and George. So you owned a Harry Nielsen album before you owned a Beatle album. Yes, I did. I did not realize that. And um, those were my first three albums. And, you know, later I, 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 you know, I was into like whatever was in the top 10, top 40. Mm-hmm. Chicago, the, the band Chicago, that was, they were hot on the list. Back in the day, they had so many hit records. And now, twenty-five or six to four. Yeah, I bought I bought uh, live in Chicago, Carnegie Hall. That's like a 
triple album or quadruple album. I don't remember. It was just it was a box set. Um, I had that, and then I got into progressive rock around that time with um, Yes, Emerson Lake and Palmer, and Genesis, the early Genesis, you know, with uh, Peter Gabriel. Oh, the fantastic early Genesis stuff. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I had to have, I, I would go with my money that I earned. I worked with my dad on the weekends and after school. My dad was an automobile painter. He would paint automobiles at a dealership. He worked there. And so I would go to help him prep cars, you know, sand down the, uh, the cars and tape them up so he can paint. And he would give me $5 a week if I would help him for the week. And with that money, I would go out and buy 45s. And so I, I can buy a whole lot of 45s for $5, Ethan. Mm-hmm. The, the 45s were probably 49 cents a piece. So I'd, I'd go out and buy me, you know, I, whatever I could buy with $5, <laughs> whatever that was, two, four, six, eight, ten, about 10 45s. So I, I would just get the top 10 list for that week, the local top 10. And then I would just kind of pick and choose what 45s I wanted. And, um, and it happens to be a couple of them more Beatle related. I um, I remember buying Happy Christmas, War is Over. That was a 45 that was released, John and uh, John and Yoko. And I bought the green, it was a green vinyl with a picture I, sleeve. I was going to ask, was it the green one? Yeah, yeah. Those are the initial releases. Green vinyl, and it had that, that label where their faces... Um, well, was it that one? I can't remember now. No, it was I that can, one. It's just the Apple label, right? Or was it the faces turned from John and Yoko? I, I think that one had the faces turning from John to Yoko. Maybe so. Yeah, I just it was. I think that was. Feel the, free to correct it. us in the comments if we're wrong. Yeah, I bought on just another day. McCartney and Uncle Albert that had that was out. That was out in '72. And uh, I bought mainly 45s, Ethan, because albums were a little bit more expensive. You know, the albums were like three ninety nine, yeah, four ninety nine. You, you could not get ten albums for five dollars. No, I, I would. Uh, I couldn't. So I would end up buying forty. I have so many 45s. I still have most of those 45s that I bought. Although later in high school, I sold a lot of 45s just to make extra money. I would, I would will and deal at high school, you know, uh, under the desk. I said, you, you want some 45s, young man? Here you go. Here's a 45 for quarter. <laughs> they were half price. Lonnie Pena, the wheeler dealer. Yeah, so I kind of, you know, regret that because now I wish I had some of those 45s back. <laughs> so when when in this in this journey of buying all these 45s, did you, did you really you know, start getting into the Beatles more and more. Oh, it was, it was really weird. It, I went, uh, my best friend at the time and I, my, uh, my mother took us, you know, we would, we would go to the flea market like once a month mm-hmm. where they buy and sell stuff, just a bunch of stuff there. And there's a couple of record dealers there, used records. So my mother dropped us off, my, me and my, my best friend and I, and so we're looking, we beeline it to the record dealer. And, as you do, as I, as I do whenever I go to the Yeah, that, that hasn't stopped <laughs> to this day. And so we would buy whatever, because they were used records, we can get them for $1.99, you know. And so my buddy uh, pulled out this old album, like this classic album. And I said, what are you doing with that? You're not going to buy that album, are you? This was like 1972, okay? The fall of 72. I remember that because it was sort of cool. Uh, the weather was, the climate was cool in Houston. And um, and he said, yeah, I broke my brother's copy. And, and years ago, I broke my brother's copy, older brother, and I'm going to buy this for him to replace it that he broke like when years ago. And I, I said, okay. And what it was, it was the Beatles, meet the Beatles. Really? Out. Yeah. So, we, you know, I didn't think anything of it because yeah. I was at, at that point. I was into like progressive rock. Yeah. Th- this was the you know? this was the year of 
like Foxtrot by Genesis. Oh yeah, about the, you know, and then I I like this band called Flash that featured the a keyboardist uh, who was formerly with Yes, uh, and the guitar player who was formerly with Yes was in this this band called Flash. And so I bought that album, and I was, I would buy Yes albums, and you know I was so into to the progressive rock. So we went back to my place. And just for the heck of it, I said, put that album on the turntable. Meet the Beatles. That's a that's a classic. That had been released what? This is 72. So what is at least like eight years before? Just eight years. Can you imagine? Eight years. Yeah. Different. <laughs> what was eight years ago? Well, eight years ago was what? Uh, 2013. All that music eight years ago is still pretty much applicable, you know? No difference. Yeah. But in '72, that was that was like that album. It was like dinosaur music. Dinosaur to me, at least as a teenager, I was whatever at that point. I was 14 years old, and um, you, so you wanted to hear record, you wanted to hear stuff like Tarkus. I wanted to, absolutely, you know, I, I love that Tarkus. I would play that over and over. Anyway, um, put the album on, and my gosh. It blew me away. The first song I saw her standing there. It like it like it brought back memories that had been like hidden and unlocked in my brain. And I listened. I would listen to this music on the radio, but it just was registering when I was little, mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine. But when I played that album, it just it was just I fell in love with every single song on Meet the Beatles. And I told my buddy, I said, can I can I keep that album? Because uh, I want to play it, you know, before you take it and give it to your brother. And, you know, I, you know, Ethan, I still have that album to this day. <laughs> you never gave it back? I never gave it back. Smart man. <laughs> he forgot about it over the years. You know, we were in high school. You know, this I met this this guy who's my best friend in the seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, high school. I never gave the album back to him. <laughs> he joined the Houston Police Department, then we lost track because you know he had another set of friends yeah. that want to hang around with me. <laughs> but luckily for you, that yeah. means he probably forgot about that Meet the Beatles. Yeah, I hope he's not listening. I won't mention any names. Names will be hidden to protect the innocent. Well, you know, I, I have a picture of my the picture of my room at the time, at the wall of my of my room, and the poster. I have a Harry Nilsson poster up on the wall. I have a Chicago poster on the wall. I have a David Bowie poster on the wall, mm-hmm. and then I have another picture like a year later. There's nothing but Beatles on the wall this time. <laughs> All the other bands just kind of disappeared from my life. So, so after you you <laughs> let, let's just say borrowed that copy of Meet the Beatles, how did it go from there? Yeah, I just I went back to the record um, to the uh, flea market, and you know I bought used records, so I slowly started uh, adding to my Beatles collection. Uh, I, I bought a few new albums. Of course, at that time, they were on Apple label, mm-hmm. all the Beatle albums. But I, uh, so I have, I have a mixture. My initial set of albums is a mix with, with Apple labels that I bought back in 73, 74, and 75, and mixed in with other, with classic, uh, the, um, the classic Capitol labels, mm-hmm. because I bought used albums too. Whatever I could really afford at the time um but by by the summer <clears throat> by the summer of 1973 i had my 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 collection complete my beatles usa catalog was complete and then i started buying solo stuff you know as it, as it slowly came out by that summer i had um i had red rose speedway um i had uh, living in material world and then later that summer, Mind Games came out, and then later uh, Ringo album was released. And from that point on, I, I was up to date. From that point, from the summer of 73, I have bought every album 
that has been released since in the past 40 something years. When, when did you go from just buying out these albums to, to fill out your collection to being a full fledged Beatle collector? Well, that, that had to, that, that has to uh, coincide with, you know, the funds <laughs> to do that. <laughs> Tends to happen. <laughs> you know, I, when I work, I work, I worked with my dad all the way through high school, and but that wasn't too lucrative. Yeah, the the five dollars a week. Five dollars. Now, if I worked on Saturday, like a half day on Saturday, he actually would give me twenty dollars. Okay, that that's better. So, you know, I got to buy maybe an album with that twenty dollars, a couple albums. But yeah, I graduated high school. And uh, I didn't go straight to college. I didn't go to college until much later in my life. I was in my mid-30s by the time I went to college. I went straight to work. Went straight to work. And um, and I was still living at home. So, you know, I'd help my mother out with, with whatever little, you know, what she would need to help, you know, since I was living there still. But I was working. And uh, I'd spend most of my hard-earned money <laughs> with, with those bootleg records, and there was just a flood. Do you remember of what the first bootleg you ever got was? <laughs> oh, that was uh, that was Get Back. It was it was actually Get Back. It was it was uh, C U M. Oh, back. Comeback. Comeback. It was there was no cover. It wasn't wrapped in cellophane or anything. It was just an album, and I had to trust that the dealer who sold it to me because he told me this was a Beatles album. This was like some of their last recordings that they recorded. So I had to trust because there was no there. The label was just white label. There was no writing on the label. There was no writing on the cover. Mm-hmm. And so thank goodness he, uh, he was, he was telling the truth and that had to be, I was still in high school. So that had to be like 75 maybe. 1975 and, and I probably paid $2, $3 for that album. Um, but yeah, by, by, I graduated high school in 1976. And so by that time, you know, I had money to spend and I did, I, I bought bootlegs and by 76, there was a whole flood of resurgence of Beatles that was, that was coming out, you know, that rock and roll music was released. Got to get you into my life was back in the charts. Back, and there it, it was playing on the top forty radio in town. Got to get you into my life, and that that was awesome. Hearing a Beatles record that was recorded ten years prior on the top forty uh, radio station. That was a big deal. It was a big deal, especially for, yeah, it was a big deal for everybody, but for me because. You know, there was only a few handful of us in school that were Beatle fans. Mm-hmm. If you're a Beatle fan, you're sort of an outcast because you're that's old. Who likes the Beatles? They broke up in 1970. They're old news. You know, dude, you need to be wearing, you know, Led Zeppelin or Peter Frampton or whatever band was happening at the time. Oh, yeah. High and mighty Peter Frampton. He got his career killed by a Beatle movie. By the Beatles, yeah. But no, Kiss. Everybody was into all that stuff in, in high school. And, and I was still wearing my John Lennon T-shirt, you know. And so there was only a handful of us. There's not a whole lot of people. You, you, some, I, I come close to getting into some major fights. Because if you didn't, t- you know... If you said something about the Beatles, then I, I would, I would certainly, you know, talk back. I wasn't yeah. going to hide. You wouldn't so, just let them, you know, insult the Beatles like that. Heck no, because you're insulting me. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, uh, just a whole deluge of albums and bootlegs in the late seventies. It was just pouring out, pouring out. These forty fives. I remember these uh, those color forty the Decagon forty five oh, the Decagons. They were released in I think nineteen seventy seven, I believe or seventy eight, 
at that time, and they were slowly starting to find their way in the record stores. The use the, the not the main record stores, but the little family operated record stores. Not the and, not the big chain ones. No, no, no. They didn't sell stuff like that. At least I didn't know of. Um, but I remember seeing one of the Decagon forty fives behind the counter, and asking the owner of the store, says, "What is that?" Is this picture I never saw before? And he said, well, this is Beatles. It's the new stuff that came out, you know. It's it's this new releases of old songs. It's their original uh, rehearsals from Decca. And I said, I gotta have that. How much is it? And he said, oh, no, I, it's, I have it. It's the only copy I have. And, and I have it here because someone called and they wanted me to save it for him. And I said, no, I, how much you want for it? He says, well, it's $6. For the 45 mm-hmm. and i and i said uh, i'll give you 10. he says no i can't do that the guy you know he's a he's a frequent customer and i was you know, this was 77 i was whatever oh i was probably 18 19 somewhere around there and i pulled out a 20 dollar bill <laughs> oh my god and i said i want that record and i pulled a 20 dollar bill out and he grabbed the 20 and threw me the record <laughs> So, I mean, I had money at that time. Still $20 living it all. for a 45. I didn't hesitate, Ethan. I didn't hesitate. Nor should you have. Uh, yeah, so that's why I'm poor. So that's why I'm still working to this day. I'm not retired. You're, you're I still paying retired. off that Decagon 45. <laughs> paying off all these records. I still have all of my records. I have not sold any of my collection. It's It's... All in storage. I, I cannot partake in having it near me right now. I didn't bring any of my records with me when I moved to California. Uh, so it's 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 uh, it hurts because I, I well I miss an order. I miss my family. My daughter still lives in Houston. Miss my siblings, and then I miss all my Beatles stuff. Yeah. <laughs> So out of your collection, if you could only, if there was like a fire and you could only save uh, one thing, what would you take? Don't say that. Uh, I'm saying theoretically, if there was a fire, a fire would never oh happen. I don't know. You know, and if there's I, any I, fires listening to this show, <laughs> don't you dare go near Lonnie's collection. I don't know. I mean, it's, I have so much stuff, you know, but all those albums mean so much to me, especially the ones that I bought in the seventies. That album that I told you about that I, I, I borrowed from my friend and never gave back, you know, but I guess it was a cup. Well, only one. Okay. Maybe a handful. Well, the butcher album, that would be one. And, and I didn't buy that originally back in the seventies. I didn't buy that until a few years ago, maybe about 12 years ago. Uh, is, it a, is it a second state, third state, first state? Well, it's it's a uh, it's a mono first state. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. It's, it, it was, let me get this right, though. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's, it's not peeled. Right. It's not peeled. It's original mono. Mm-hmm. And because if it's a, if it was peeled then that would be a second state, right? Uh, first first state is nothing had been pasted over. Right, so it right. Was okay. Just the cover. Second That's state, it. it had been pasted over. Third state, that had been peeled off. And the third state is what? Not peeled. Third third state is you you peeled the trunk cover off, and then you can oh, see oh, the butcher. Oh, okay, so it's peeled. So I got a first state that I bought on eBay. I got a bonus at work. <laughs> <laughs> And I was, I had a, you know, that bonus was burning a hole in my pocket. <laughs> and though I had kids in private school at the time, I had priorities. <laughs> you you have priorities. You got to get more Beatle records. Got to get more Beatle records. Got this bonus. I already paid the tuition, my daughter's tuitions at their private school. So I got a few hundred dollars left. So I didn't pay that much for it. It, it, it was four or five hundred dollars. And this was in 2008, maybe. Oh, man. 
So that was a, it, it was still fairly affordable. I, I think they had gone up and doubled since then. Oh yes. You know, back in the seventies, there you if, if you were lucky to find one, it was hard to find one. But if you were lucky to find one, they were like a hundred and twenty dollars. You know, and that was a lot of money for the seventies. You're making me drool here, Lonnie. Well, yeah, I said I paid twenty for that forty-five, but twenty dollars in nineteen seventy-six, seventy-seven. That that would be worth at least a hundred dollars today, if not more. Oh my God! With, with inflation, you know the way it's is rapid. But yeah, so that that would be one album that I, I think I would, because I've always wanted that album, and um, it took a few tries. I I, I that I had bought a, a butcher several months before that one, but it was bad. It was the uh, peeled. Mm-hmm which is the third, the third stake pilled. And it was bad. It was, it was, it looked terrible. And I got it for under a hundred bucks because it was such a poor shape. But I relisted that and I got my money back plus a few extra dollars. And then I got this other one that is really beautiful shape. It's really nice. boy. So it's, um, it's in frame. I framed it with, with the album next to it. And uh, that's in storage right now. <laughs> um, I got a few things. I have my London Palladium poster. You know that uh, the London Palladium where the Beatles are standing in that blue brick yeah. doorway? That has been like countlessly replicated over the years. Well, I found one in, 19, in that flea market back in the 70s. It would have to be 72 maybe. I found one that was sold by an old lady. And I said, well, how much do you want for that out, that poster? And she said, a, a 25 cents. I said, okay. It's been wrapped up, but it's an original. It's an absolute, it has a, it has NIMS 1963 Enterprise stamp at the bottom. Oh, wow. And it's, it's beautiful. It's a little, little water stains on some of the edges, which gives it character to some degree. Character. You know, um, and uh, some years later, like maybe 10, 12 years ago, I had it professionally framed. And the frame was like, it cost me $200 to frame the poster. <laughs> poster cost 25 cents. So really, it cost you $200 and 25 cents. But that that surprised possession because I, I paid I, what I paid for it. And when I bought it. And it's an original. It's not a copy at all. It's an original 63 NIMS Enterprise Beetle merchandise poster. Kind of keeping on this poster thread. Uh, A couple months back, uh, you know, you had sent me a a photo of this display you had had at some event with all these Beatles promotional posters. Yeah, I I have, you know... Albums is just probably my album collection is not 50% of my Beatles collection. It's probably more like 30%. Mm-hmm. I have hundreds of posters that I that I bought in the 70s and the 80s. What what, and, oh, what kind of posters do you have? They're they're just uh, just whatever you can think of. I have promotional posters. A lot of promotional posters that I have, Ethan, I didn't buy. Like um, like in the eighties when the Beatles releasing their CDs, these promotional posters for the the CDs mm-hmm. when they were released uh, for the White Album cd i have the the the, in the late 70s there was a, a rash of albums that came out in colored vinyl mm-hmm. like uh the sergeant pepper marble vinyl with purple marble um love national song pride national pride that was canada yeah that's right i have love songs canadian gold vinyl i, I have one of those too it's it's really lovely that's beautiful, but but you know at the time you could go into record stores and they have the album promotional posters on the wall promoting the albums, and and if you were the first one there to claim it, they'll let you put your name and phone number on the back. 
And several weeks later, the manager would call you or someone from the record store would call you. And they say, hey, the, we're not we're done with the poster. Come and pick it up. <laughs> it was it was that easy. So is, is that how you got most of your promotional posters? Most of my promotion, even displays. I have a really cool display for the red and blue CD release. Mm-hmm. This is the CD, the Beatles CDs, the, the red and blue albums. Yeah. It's a big display. It's a full display, like five feet tall. And they gave that to me after they finished with it. This was whenever that was released. That was, that was in the nineties. I believe that red and five blue feet CD. tall. What? It's a nice display. Yeah, it's it's. Was up. it one of those like floor things that? Yes, it was a floor display. You can put. You get, they put all the. Uh, they situated the CDs in it. Uh, gotcha. And uh, I have that, and I just have a ton of stuff. I have these really cool, thirty-six by twenty-four Julian Lennon, cardboard posters. There's like four different ones. Um, he was. Uh, he was these were at chess king chess king was a uh, like a fashion store in the 80s okay and he did some exclusive modeling for chess king so i have those posters all of them that were in chess king i would go there every week and ask for those po- those promotional posters until finally they got tired of me and they said we're done with them you can have them <laughs> you, you gotta wear them down I was persistent, you know. Uh, you know, this is this was again in the late seventies. Julian Lennon was probably eighty five, eighty six, um, in the mid eighties, and that was before I had kids, you know, Ethan. And I wasn't married at the time. And you, you weren't I, married, so you could go <laughs> spend your time going to Chess King and harass the employees for Julian Lennon promotion. Yeah, posters. I wasn't going to the mall to meet girls. I was going there to find Beatles stuff. <laughs> Don't we all? Well, yeah, actually, we all do. Well, pretty yeah, much everyone who listens to the show does. Oh, I know. So that, that's the story of my life, you know. Hunting down Beatles. Hunting down memorabilia. But I have, I have hundreds. Now, I've sold, I've sold probably about 40% of my posters though on eBay um, over the past 10 years. And uh, a few of them, you know, I, I told myself, I'm going to sell some of these posters. I'm not going to, I'm not going to um, let them go for like pennies. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I put a value on there, what I thought it would be worth to part with. And in most cases I got what I was asking. Mm-hmm. I, I put some bootlegs. Um, my vine, I have I have like four or five hundred bootleg albums. Four or five hundred. Yes, I have I have a total of close to eight or nine hundred Beatle albums. Oh man! You know, total. I, Just I have, have hundred, and I feel insane. Well, when you got like sixteen copies of Meet the Beatles. <laughs> I had to find the very first pressing of the U.S. Meet the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no ASCAP, no BMI, no produced by George Martin, mono, uh, East Coast <laughs> record factory. <laughs> then I had to I had to have the West Coast version of it, As you the do. West Coast plant. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. But uh, but I put I I sold a lot of my bootlegs uh, in the last decade because um, I just I needed the money and um, yeah I had some really nice ones I, I sold I hated the part with one of them was uh, live in Vancouver it was marble vinyl double album oh that's nice it was a beautiful I took pictures of it before I sold it and I recorded it on a I digitized it. Mm-hmm. Uh, on my computer, but, um, you know, I got a, I got about $500 for it. So I still wish I would have kept that one. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you a kind of big open-ended question here. What mm-hmm. do the Beatles mean to you? Well, uh, they meant, um, first of all, the music, it made me happy. 
to listen to the music. Mm-hmm. And somewhere, because again, I wasn't I wasn't collecting, I wasn't listening to the 45s in the 60s, but apparently subconsciously, I was listening to the Beatles music on the radio. And when I listened to it again in the 70s, it just like it picked, it unlocked memories. So the Beatles were somewhat psychologically to me, there was therapy mm-hmm. to some degree. It really was. It unlocked memories that I had forgot about as a child. And when I listened to like uh, All My Loving, I just, oh my gosh, a little memory opened. I remember being downtown and my sister was working at a, a clothing store. And I remember that song was playing in the background. I mean, really, I would just that little memory door would just open for me. So that made me happy. Yeah. But yeah, it's just positive memories. It, for me, the Beatles are just happy, happy music, fun times. How, how do you think the Beatles have changed your life? Well, uh, you might have to ask uh, other people <laughs> that know me, because <laughs> I feel that they've 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 really they've kept me sane. You know, they kept me sane when I'm when I'm down. You know, kind of like the it's like that James Taylor song when you're down and out, <laughs> you need a, a need a friendly hand. The Beatles um, are that friendly hand. I'm serious. I you know going over the years. You know, I've been through two divorces, even, and um, two marriages, two divorces, and then just living life and you know, working. And and anytime I feel down, I'll play a Beatles song, and just I forget about everything, heck with everything. You know, just I want to listen to that two minute and thirty second song. After that song is over with, I'm good. That's deep. Yeah, that's crazy too. I don't. I, some people would say I'm obsessed. <laughs> you, you're not obsessed. You know, it makes you happy, and you listen to it. Yeah. yeah you speaking, know, I... speaking of what you listen to, <laughs> I'm going to hit you with some quick fire questions. Oh now, my goodness! Now oh, I I always yeah. have to preface this by saying oh, the, the questions are quick. Uh, the answers are almost always not. So well, we'll we'll see. What what's your question, Lonnie Pena? What is your favorite Beatles song? Oh, uh, I'm the Walrus, hands down. Oh, really? Uh, you know, I every time I I li- I've been listening to that song since I bought the forty five, probably in seventy three, and every time I hear that song, I listen to it, I hear something different. To this day. It's like, wait a minute, I missed that. What's it's been on there for how long? I don't remember hearing that that little section of music. It's just a, it's always a new song when I hear "I Am the Walrus," and I, I, I love. I, I kind of feel the same. You know, I bought the forty-five first. It was it was a uh, the the the, the, the swirl the capital swirl. Mm-hmm. I, I bought that forty-five. And then later on, this was had to be like a year later, like in 74, I bought Magical Mystery Tour album. I, I found a used album on original Capitol label. And I listened to I'm the Walrus on the album, but it was different. Yeah. It was, it was different. And I was like upset. Because there, there was that extra little beat yeah, just before the second verse, I believe, or the after the chorus, there's another. There's a little extra measure. Yeah, and it's on the 45 U.S. mono only. Yeah, it didn't appear again on an album until the Rarities, that was released in 1980. Mm-hmm. It's a special mix on there, but it's not the original mono mix. No, but um. Yeah, I mean that that really upset me that that little extra measure was not included on the album. But um I love that song. That 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 is one that I'd, I'd have to that, that's my what do you call it desert island disc? That that'd be your desert island disc. 
Now, there, there's always a flip side to the question. What's your least favorite Beatles song? Uh, would it have to be something like, um, I don't know. I remember when I, when I, uh, I got the White Album. I bought a used White Album probably in 70, 1974, and it was a German import really? used album. Yeah, the album the album came out came the album sleeve cut was at the top, not on the side. Mm-hmm. At the top, did it have uh, like later, the number on it? No, no. Then by that time they didn't have the numbers. Okay. But the one I bought was was probably was manufactured in the mid seventies, but it was a used copy. But I mean, you know, that the white album just blew me away in itself <laughs> of all the different genres of music. Yeah, that album. But one of the songs on there, I just hate it so much. <laughs> and it and it wasn't Revolution, um, number nine. It was Wild Honey Pie. Ah, uh, yes, Wild Honey Pie. I just didn't like that. I still don't like it to this day. <laughs> it, it's it's barely even a song. Yeah, I don't know. They could have left off and could have added another. You know, sour what sour milk see? Yeah, sour milk see. <laughs> but yeah, that's my least favorite. That's they, my... they could have put on that or like not guilty. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah, that's my least favorite. That that's in Yeah, I don't I don't care too much for wild honey pie. I I've kinda of got a story about wild honey pie. So a friend of mine was working at a radio station. And he was kind of showing me how to use, like, the, the queuing system and putting songs in there. And he, he had to go leave the room and talk to his boss or, you know, go to the bathroom or something. So I, I went into the queuing system, and I, I snuck Wild Honey Pie into the queue. Yeah. <laughs> and so Wild Honey Pie played through its, I don't know, 45-second entirety on the right. radio. Right. What and happened? Did you get in trouble? I, I don't think so. By the time they realized what was happening, they're like, well, we can't stop it. Just let it play. Let Just it let play. it play. There's only like 10 more seconds left in the song. Oh, was it a college radio or what? <laughs> uh, no, it was uh, it was a community radio station. A community? Oh, okay. Cool. Sweet. So, kind of a, a bigger variation of that question. Uh, what's yep. your favorite Beatle album? Album? It, well, you know what that is. You know what that is, Ethan. Might might it be Meet the Beatles? It might be, and it is. <laughs> I love that album. That That's what started it all for me. Ironically enough, eight years after it was released, Meet the Beatles. Bang. Now, that was it. In this, you know, post-homogenized uh, 1987 Beatles CD world, where all the mixes are just the British ones, do you, do you prefer the the British mixes of those songs or the American, you know, reverb Dave Dexterized ones? No, I I actually would prefer the the Beatle British mixes, but in the order of the U.S. Meet the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Which well, I made my playlist that way, you know. Well, there was there was a box set that came out maybe. Oh well, it was about seven years ago then. Wow. Yep, so two years. I have I have the box set that yeah. they uh, they came out with. I have that. It's in storage. <laughs> like every damn thing else, I have. Yeah. But yeah, I have. I I did. But before that, though, I would make cassettes. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not talking about the Capitol um, albums, the one that came out about 2014. Oh, what what was that? The um, it, it was called like the U.S. albums, and it's kind of yeah. People, I got that. people were mad because they were using the the 2009 remasters instead of the clunky duophonic, you know, reverb added stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's a, bo- a little box set with the Beatles and the U.S. flag. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I have that. And uh, but yeah, the the U.S. 
original album is my favorite meet the beatles but you know but looking back i, I would prefer the the british mixes uh but in the order of the u.s mix or the u.s uh song listing now i have a feeling you know where i'm gonna go with this next question let me think worse yeah the best, the what, worst. what's your least favorite beatle album well, if you if you can, there's a couple of answers, and it's kind of a trick question or a trick answer. Okay. Well, first, you know, I, I, I you know, my, I worked hard for my money back in the '70s. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it wasn't easy. You know, you you made a living, and then cars you, don't you paint themselves. Right, right. And so I went out. and I, I went to the record store, probably around '74, and I bought a I bought an album that I had yet to be in my collection, a Beatles album. And I was just waiting, you know, I don't know what I was just waiting for, but I bought it. It was a double album, US double album. You know, it was on Apple label by that time. And I got home, I put the damn album on and I was so disappointed. It was called The Beatles Story. Ah, yes. And I I thought, what the heck is this crap? It's just they're talking to fans, which is fine, but it's hardly much of um, an agenda of conversations. Yeah. And you get like the hodgepodge. You get 30 seconds of maybe a live background of Beatle playing. I think it was at the Hollywood Bow or somewhere. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was just so disappointed. I mean, I only Did played you buy that this record. one new? I bought it brand new, sealed. Oh. I opened it, played not e- it. Not even at the flea market. Not even at the flea market. It cost me four ninety nine. That that could have bought you like two Tarkus. I'm serious. It was that that was the only time I felt I waste my money on the Beatles. And again, it was hard earned money. Um, yeah, but, but other than that, if you want to include like a traditional album, it would be Beatles for sale. Yeah, that, that seems to be a common answer. Yeah. The Beatles for sale for me and the British for the British, I mean, the U S was multiple different copies. You had the Beatles six, Beatles 65, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I, I could deal with those albums. They were pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But this Beatles for sale, I, I never really got into it. I love the cover. It's one of my favorite covers. But uh, it's not a, my favorite album, to say the least. I, I mean, you you are rightly entitled to that opinion. It, it's one of my favorites, though. So it always makes me really sad when I hear people say they don't <laughs> like it. No, I'm, I'm I'm happy for you because uh, there's some good music on there. Oh yeah. Well, it, then again, it it is a Beatles album. And yeah, yeah, it is, and it it was one of the last times they actually covered another artist mm-hmm. on that album. But I, I don't know. Maybe because of the fact when I when I finally got that album, I had listened to all. I mean, I grew up with the U.S versions of the Beatles mm-hmm. and I didn't get that album I bought that I bought a in 1980 I bought that UK box set it's a blue bo- box yeah, set the blue box I bought that brand new when it came out paid 120 dollars for it and um, I, I think I paid a little bit more for <laughs> that and and you know I was happy with all the albums except for that one <laughs> I love quite loved revolver uh, revolver. That well, was awesome. The, the British revolver is. I I've never heard anyone argue that the American revolver is better than the British revolver. No, it's it's the, the revolver was not my favorite album. It wasn't my least favorite, as I just told you, but it wasn't my favorite. You know, it wasn't the worst album. It wasn't my best album. There was, you know, they compare revolver and Sergeant Pepper. Uh, from the U.S. versions from back in when I was listening to them, you know, Sergeant Pepper was grand. No comparison to Revolver. 
but listening to the UK revolver, that's that's something else. Yeah, that's something else. Total. It, it, it takes the good John songs from from yesterday and today. Oh, they, they stripped them. them. They stripped them. They stripped them. And certainly, to this day, I think Revolver could still hold its test in time. Oh yeah. And as well as as an example of "Got to Get You Into My Life" was was a Revolver album. Ten years after it was released, the uh, "Got to Get You Into My Life" made the top ten in the U.S. If not the, I don't think it was a number one single, but it was in the top ten in 1976. I think you're right there. And I, I've got one last question. Uh oh. Why do you think the Beatles still matter? Uh, well, I, I think because they just they make people happy. Because that's what it really is. If you're not happy, then I don't want to look at you twice. Um, they it's the music that makes people happy, and it's just good music. When it really comes down to it. I think Paul said this several times. They were just a really good little band, <laughs> little rock and roll band. Good little band. A little band, little rock and roll band from Liverpool. The the little band that could. That could and did, and it's people like us that that keep the memory alive. When I'm when I'm gone, Ethan, take over. Uh, will do. Thank you. I'm already taking over now. Thank you. You you're on a good um, start. Very good start. I'm very impressed with what you what you know about the Beatles, what you know about music in general, and your enthusiasm about you know all this. And of course, with the technology, it's it, anyone could do this, but not everyone does. So yeah, I appreciate what you do. Well, thank you, Lonnie. And uh, where 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 can people find you these days? Well, I'll, since I'm a fan on the run, it's really hard to catch catch me. So if they want to find me, they're going to have to vicariously go through uh, fans on the run, <laughs> message Ethan, and he knows how to contact me. Uh, don't 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 you make music, Lonnie? <laughs> Well, I do. I do. It's not available yet. Okay. So it's it's not available yet. Uh, I, I do have a, uh, what do you call that? I don't even know what it is. SoundCloud? <laughs> the new technology. Yeah, SoundCloud. <laughs> you can look up Holly Pena. H-O-L-L-E. P, like in Paul, E-N-A. Holly Pena. You will find us on YouTube and you will find us on soundcloud that's my buddy and my songwriting partner leon holly who's a distant cousin to buddy holly literally really yeah oh leon holly lubbock and um myself uh leon and i have been writing music since probably 1982. oh wow we have a lot of original 80s music i have a few youtube that we produced back in the eighties songs that are up on YouTube. Uh, we produced a music video and that's up on YouTube called love is out of touch, big production. And, um, we got new music that we're currently working on because we've been in, you know, the lockdown rock down, rock down. We, uh, hopefully we're going to release it probably later. If not, this year certainly early next year um a cd i know no one has cds but we're going to release a cd but also coincide with a streaming release on one of the services haven't decided which service we're going to use yet i, I um, think you could probably put them on all of them yeah yeah i might i might have to i might uh, give you a call ethan <laughs> with some expertise on this technology stuff well, you know my name. Look up the number. I'll look up. Look up your number. Number me number what? Number number two. Hey, we can we can play music right here. Exactly. I'll, I'll go grab my flute. I'll go. I'll grab my guitar. My guitar. 
a little little Jethro Tull. Yeah, well, uh, like I said, I've I've been recording all morning, so uh, I'll probably hang it up now. Watch the rest of the baseball game. And and I think there's there's one more thing we we should say be, okay. before we say bye to y'all. I I think we both want to give a big uh, shout out, hello to our, our friend Ed Chen over at uh, When They Was Fab. Yes, absolutely. Hello, Ed. I mean, that last show was awesome that he produced uh, with John Stone. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And, of course, that, that's where Lonnie and I met. That is right. We were on the set. It was 19, what, 68? 68 or 69. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, uh, what's his name? I forget the guy's name. Walked into the studio. He was one of the monkeys. Yeah. Peter Torque. Uh, he kind of torqued me wrong, but you know he won't go there. Mm-hmm. That that's another story for another time. Yeah, so, but yeah, it's a uh, it, uh, pleasure doing the podcast with Ed. Ed has so much information stored in his brain, and he is one that you need to listen to. And now John Stone is on with him, and John has a, just as much information about the Beatles as anyone else that I know. So it's gonna be. A great uh, companionship. So if, if you haven't already, go listen to When They Was Fab. And with that, Lonnie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And to everyone else out there, thank you for listening. You can go home. Bye-bye. Hands on the run. Hands on the run. Fans on the Run is produced by Ethan Alexander. Additional voiceovers by Richard Phillip. This has been a Showtown production.